1: There's too much talking, texting, tweeting, posting Too much noise altogether In silence there's strength and peace and space Imagine Silent forever
2: The Penis Project Podcast is proudly supported and sponsored by PROST, Exercise for Prostate Cancer and the RS Health Penile Rehabilitation Program PROST is a not-for-profit charity set up by myself in 2012 that aims to help men exercise during their experience with prostate cancer. If you want to know anything more about PROST, including our online service and USB product now available, please just go to prost.com.au.
0: The Penile Rehabilitation Program was created by Melissa at Restorative Sexual Health. This is an online program to assist turning software into hardware without leaving your home. This program was designed for people who live in areas where access to health professionals in this area is not available or for those who are just too busy to attend consults or even for those who just feel more comfortable learning at home with online learning and consultations online. For more information about this program, please go to www.rshealth.com.au. Prost means cheers to your health, so Prost to you.
1: November 11th 11am, 60 seconds, kids watch on the wall, in the pub, in the tab, in the cars, we remember and
0: wonder what... So, welcome to the Penis Project podcast. Today we're talking to David Smith, who is the CEO of 15 Square. Now, 15 Square is a very interesting organisation that helps men with that have been circumcised or haven't been circumcised with what's going on with their foreskin and gives advice about this. And so it's a very interesting subject that I imagine that not that many Aussie blokes who are listening have thought about before, but probably a lot, obviously a lot of European and English men and things think about this. So, David, welcome. Joe and I are here today. We want to find out more. Thank you very much, Melissa
1: and Joe. Good to
0: be here.
2: Now, I must say, um, just before we start, David, that you have done us the honour of getting up. Is it
0: 2am where you are? No, it's uh, it's one at one a.m., so it's not that bad. Oh, oh. That's, that's horrendous! <laughs> 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 Thank you for your commitment. <laughs>
1: yeah, pleasure. Right.
0: So, David, start off. Tell us about Fifteen Square and how it started, and how long it's been going for, and and what you do. Right. Well, Fifteen Square was started
1: in October 1994, and um. There was a book published in the States called The Joy of Uncircumcising. And it was written by a psychologist called Jim Bigelow. And there was a doctor in the UK, Dr. John Warren, who himself had felt very damaged by circumcision. He um, ordered the book. It was reviewed in one of our papers, I believe, and found it so interesting that he jumped on a plane and went over to America and met all the people in America who were uh, at that time working in this subject and when he uh, when he got back he put a, a letter in the, uh, I think it was the Independent, and he said that he thought there was a need for an organisation in the UK and if anybody was interested would they contact him. I contacted him and the end result was that on that day in October 1994, I think it was the 19th of October, 19 of us met in a flat in London. And not one of the people there had ever spoken to anybody before about the issues they had uh, concerning circumcision. And it was decided, you know, we'd go from there and form an organization, form a a group really, rather than an organization. And it gradually grew. i have been involved right from the start and I ended up as the chief officer. Uh, it grew we first started with support meetings and we became a UK charity in 1998 and I think we were the first charity in the history of the charity commission dealing with our sorts of subjects. so we had some interesting meetings in those days um, and we sort of we uh, were initially only helping men who'd been circumcised and talking about uh, foreskin restoration. But we very soon started to be contacted by men who still had their foreskins. They'd either been to a doctor or, uh, or hadn't been to a doctor. They they had a problem, probably a fibrosis type foreskin. And they knew if they went to a doctor or if they'd be in, the doctor would say, oh, a quick circumcision will cure it. And they rather live with the solution than the, uh, they rather live with the problem than the solution. So really we became, uh, a multifaceted organisation really. Uh, We have a doctor who helps advise on alternatives. Unfortunately, there are some doctors who still don't offer alternative treatments, conservative treatments, even though they are well known. Um, We were originally known as Norm UK and we changed our name about 10 years ago. We started with a working name and officially changed it to more reflect what we were doing.
0: So do you have a doctor on staff who gives advice or people contact you and then you refer them to that doctor who gives advice?
1: Um, He's not on staff technically. He's a retired GP Mm -hmm. and he's been working with us for quite some years. And um, we've got an online referral service to him so people can ask him questions. And uh, he's a very busy man, actually. He deals with several inquiries a day um, not only on uh, phimosis, but also uh, he has a number of of, of um, he has a number of inquiries basically on all sorts of things uh, dealing with foreskin and circumcision. Um, and and what, was,
0: what was his name again? Sorry. Dr. Okay. Peter Ball. Peter Boyle Ball, baW. great. that's very interesting. It's, it's all online,
1: so it's very private, which yeah. is very interesting. And He gets inquiries from all around the world.
0: Right, and so people can go to the 15 Square website to book an inquiry with him if they want to, is that right? They don't even need to book an
1: inquiry. There's, we have a thing where if you just email doctor at 15square.org.uk, that email gets to him. Okay, great. He answers it on emails, but it's worked very successfully, actually.
0: Excellent. So tell us, why 15
1: square? What does it mean? 15 square is the approximate um, area in square inches of uh, tissue that a man loses to circumcision. It's the equivalent of, well, in the UK, a five or ten pound note.
0: Wow. Did you know that, Joe?
2: No, I didn't. I, I was about to ask the same question. I was very curious, but that's that's a real lot of tissue when you're thinking about taking it from an infant as well in most historical yeah. situations, yeah.
1: If you get a banknote and wrap it around in a circle and fold it over, double it, it doesn't look much. When you unfold it, It's quite a, it's quite a substantial amount of skin. That's the average amount. Obviously some lose more, some lose less to a circumcision, but that's that's the average. I mean, we wanted a name that wasn't too, sort of, in your face, so to speak. Mm. Um, and that's the, the general figure that's quoted, really. If you, if you if you look at any sort of um, thing online, so it's that's nice. what we, we just wanted a name that was fairly anonymous, really.
0: That's great. It's like I always think there's a band called Ten CC, and Ten CCs is the amount of the measurement of the average amount of ejaculate and that's what they named it after and i'm quite sure that most people who knew the band ten cc didn't realize that so 15 no i didn't so i've is, learned
1: something you guys as,
0: as, as well <laughs> yeah I knew that one i knew that
1: one <laughs> i remember that one
0: <laughs> so david tell us like you've got a lot of followers haven't you how many thousands of followers do you guys have it's obviously a big problem for men Oh yes,
1: uh, I don't really know. I mean, we have quite a we have quite a good team. We have um, um, staff. We have myself. I'm the chief officer. Then we have Jason Metters, who's uh, our project officer. He he works very very hard. He's based in our office in in the middle of the UK. And then we have a marketing manager who actually is based in Sydney now. Oh really. Um, She was in the UK and she emigrated to um, to Australia and a few months ago, but she stayed with us. So we have meetings in her evening, our morning, but um, she's revolutionized Louise and she's revolutionized our marketing. Um, It's it's been it's been really good. We've I think we've got a great team and obviously we have a trustee board because we are a UK charity. Um, we have a very varied trustee board and we also have some volunteers so um it's yeah we, we're we're gradually increasing our volunteers we are we're at the moment restructuring we are having a lot of new policies and procedures so you know that volunteers feel valued and and want to work with us really
0: so i was just i've looked up the statistics for like some countries with circumcision rates. And this is really interesting, I think. And I'm, I'm interested to know where you get the most inquiries from because in Australia, fewer than 20% of boys are circumcised. In the UK at the moment, it's fewer than 9%. But in America, 76 to 92% of men are circumcised. And I definitely see this in my practice. Like I can pretty much, I, I kind of think I, I, I guess whether or not from someone's background, whether or not they're going to be circumcised or not, when I'm teaching them various things, I've definitely noticed that. But I had no idea the difference was so huge. So, do you have bigger followings from, or like bigger inquiries from some countries other than rather than others? Yes,
1: um, it, it's interesting. One of our um, one of our larger inquiry bases is from India, strangely enough, because India is is. Especially the Hindu population; they're a non-circumcising um, nation, and we tend to have more inquiries from uh, from men with phimosis there, with type foreskins. um yeah. all over the world, really. It's it's just incredible. Um, we have a few from we have quite a few from Australia, uh, from from the US, obviously, but there are there are a lot of organisations in in the. Uh, USA and obviously in the USA it tends to be a cultural practice Um, apart from anything else I think with the uh, the health system in in the USA the doctors are making quite a lot of money out of it so it's obviously in their interest to carry it on
0: yeah and so what about um, parents do you get many parents of babies or pregnant women contacting you asking you for advice no, not really, because it isn't, it's not available on, on our National Health Service.
1: So um, the only time we, we do get a lot of inquiries from parents, but usually it's when their child has had a, a problem and they've been to the doctor, and the doctor said, Oh, yes, a circumcision, and they, they don't they want don't. it. So uh, they, they ask us because they um they want to explore alternatives. But yes, we do have. Um, we do have inquiries from, from parents and we're now starting, and strangely enough it's happening It's happening more and more recently, we're having uh, inquiries from parents who their son has been circumcised for one reason or another and they are um, anxious to probably the, the son's expressed, um, well, dissatisfaction with it or they've had um, some sort of problem and um, they just want to know what they can do to help their 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 sons Um, we've we've actually we're we're starting the regretful parents initiative so um, it's a group of parents that can get together when where they've had this issue basically we've got all sorts of initiatives each month we seem to be starting another one
0: Wow. Well, I just think it's amazing that there's so much info in there. Now, I think joe has got a question for you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah,
2: thanks, David. I'm really curious about this. What are the main problems that men might or boys might experience by having their um, foreskin removed? Okay. Um,
1: well, first of all, it's um, it's. We tend to have uh, those that have had it done in in infancy before puberty. It tends to be uh, psychological um, to start with. It's like being born colorblind. If you've been born colorblind, you don't know what real sight is, so you accept what you've got is what everybody else has got. But they tend to feel uh, they tend to feel very. Um, Different because you know especially if they're playing sport or anything that they notice that they're very different from their friends and it's usually psychological and sometimes they have um, issues you know they have scarring or uh, physical things Um, the the real problem quite often comes when they've had the procedure after puberty and they know what they're missing and it's quite often devastating I mean I've been aware of four of our service users who've uh, taken their own lives.
2: Um, really, when, yeah, when you we, when you say what they know what they're missing is that from like the sensitivity or is that more the psychological? Yeah.
1: No sensitivity, like a function. Um, we've got um a wonderful ambassador called Leslie Roberts, and Leslie's son had a circumcision at twenty-one. He got phimosis. And he struggled for two years um, with um, he he just, he knew that he was never ever going to be the same again. And at 23, he took his own life. Oh dear. And um, unlike the others that I know who've done this, he left a very, very detailed letter detailing the experience he was having. He wanted it to help others who were in the same position um, Leslie has become our ambassador, his mother, and she has written a book um, and it's called A for Alex and the book has this note in it. I mean, the book is mostly about suicide prevention, but it, 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 uh, it, it very clearly demonstrates why he took his own life. Um, it's uh, becoming quite, quite popular. I mean, it's a very, very tragic story. And it was, he could have had this problem solved conservatively, and obviously he wasn't offered and he realized he'd been tricked. And and we we have a lot of men like that. And of course, um, you know, when you are, especially with a baby as well, sometimes that the the problem doesn't manifest itself until puberty, you know, when you are taking tissue off of a, a tiny baby's penis, you know sometimes when that baby reaches adulthood they don't even have enough skin to um to have a comfortable erection so there's all sorts of queries we have it's it's so varied and i think i'm never going to have a worse one and I, and sometimes i see one it's you know i'm fairly unshockable now
0: i find in my experience often the guys will come in with like um quite bad lichen or they'll have phimosis, which is as you know but just for our listeners inflammation of the foreskin and they've left it for too long because they've just been too embarrassed to ask their GP about it and then they're so and they've often thought that maybe they had a sexually transmitted disease and they haven't realized how easy it is to fix the problem and when you explain to them that you know often it's just a topical ointment and a bit of time and not using soap it's a down, stretching. And stretching yeah. it makes, you know, honestly, it makes such a massive difference. And you just think it's such an easy thing. But I think this comes back to young men in particular and older guys just feeling awkward talking to their general practitioner about these issues. Um, the other thing
1: that's, that we find quite often is that nobody talks to a, a boy about this issue, either either a circumcised or an intact boy. And we have you would be amazed at the amount of boys who contact us or, or young men contact us. They've never been told anything about the function, and, they, and sometimes they don't even know that the foreskin's supposed to move, and they're quite surprised when it does. Um, in Certainly in the UK, about two years ago, um, the details of the, the functioning of the body has to be now incorporated in sex and relationships, lessons in schools Mm. and um, although that there's a vast amount of of, um, information for girls there's absolutely nothing for boys and um, it's one of the projects that we've undertaken at the moment and we have prepared we've done lesson plans for schools to teach about the function and the foreskin how how to look after it how to care for it the problems they might have but also from circumcised boys so if you're circumcised, you know what you perhaps need to do. If you've got chafing, wear tighter underwear. You will need a lubricant for any sort of masturbation. That sort of information. So that's almost ready to roll. We've uh, we've had a meeting with a school um, sex education teacher, and hopefully that's going. They're going to pilot it for us. But obviously the pandemic has intervened in the meantime. So yeah.
0: Wow, I'd love to see those resources. That sounds great. Mm, we'd love to share them, actually, when when they come around.
1: Yeah, yeah. We're we're hoping that that's going to be a bit of a revenue earner for us because um, obviously we're a very different. We're a charity, but uh, we're a charity that relies on donations to keep us running. Um, at the moment, people have been very generous to us, but quite often we are kept afloat by people who die and leave us money.
0: Wow. It's amazing. i just i'm amazed there's so much it's great that people are talking about it and there's so much interest and so what do you think I've, i had a look at your at the information on like why men are circumcised in history and i thought that was quite entertaining actually so in the 1800s they thought it cured nocturnal emissions which in those oh, yes. terms is wet dreams um, to prevent sexually transmitted diseases and they would actually thought that way back like way as as recent as the 90s and that's been proven to not be correct um, and also to stop masturbation which is hilarious because we all know a man who has been circumcised that still masturbates and I'm quite sure there's a lot of them going to listen to this episode and it was even touted as a cure for bedwetting. so it's quite fascinating oh and then and in 1914, someone thought it was going to cure tuberculosis if you were circumcised. So what's the main reason people are circumcised nowadays?
1: Well, in history, I mean, apart from what you've just quoted, um, we always say that circumcision is the cure. It's only the disease that changes. Um, you can be you can be sure that, uh, that when there's a new disease, somebody's, somebody's going to do some research to prove circumcision either cures it or prevents it. Um, so what you, you just said, what are the main
0: things nowadays? Yeah. Um, So what's the main reason that people would be in your experience, like people who call you and for support, what's the main reason they would have been recommended to have circumcision in this day and age? Um, well,
1: there's two main, there's two main things, obviously for a religious reason, um, they, you know, and, and we, we have quite a few, men who've been circumcised as a religious ritual who are quite um, uh, quite upset about it but um i think phimosis that you know tight foreskin i think that's our biggest uh, inquiry database and um, that is as you say very easily cured but unfortunately quite a lot of doctors still use it as the first course of treatment
0: yeah yeah so, i think um, the t- other
1: the other thing sorry the other thing that's growing we have quite a lot of, of guys who have BXO-lichen sclerosis. It's, um, that's quite a nasty disease. It is. Um, it's, it's, um, with the, the foreskin goes very leathery and scarred and, and cracks. And, and, and um, it can affect women as well. Um, and it, that is the treatment for that. It, it could be a very potent topical steroid. Um, but it it is quite often leads to a circumcision because the tissue, it, you know, if it's not stopped, it will go up the urethra. Interesting, in women it's cured by topical steroids um, more often than not, but in men, uh, I think they, they just reach for the scalpel first. But um, I think there's more research that needs to go into that. It's quite, um, it is quite a nasty disease, basically.
0: Yeah, I've actually seen a lot of that in women. I have seen it only twice in men, which is interesting, but a lot yeah. of times in, in women. And I I often wonder about that whether or not it's just misdiagnosed in men, or if they just go straight for circumcision. So then it doesn't end up, you know, it doesn't get someone like me to help treat that. Because I
1: think that may be the case. Yeah. Can the lichens
0: be case.
2: treated? Um, as you're talking about David, there can be quite nasty. You can be about the urethral um, pathway. Can it be treated without having the surgical option?
1: Yes, uh, a very strong uh, topical steroid can quite often treat it or keep it at bay. That's the first.
2: Mm. Do Do you ever see that that there is a place for circumcision still?
1: Um, I think in extreme cases like like that it's it's like any other part of the body it should only be used as a, you know when it cannot be repaired basically when it's damaged beyond repair um yes there are um there are a few cases when it is absolutely necessary but i mean it's like it's like any other uh, disease or 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 any defect basically it's only if it can't be cured um it, it there's been an interesting. Uh, story in one of our main newspapers and only in this past few weeks where doctors in one of our major hospitals have admitted that there are far more circumcisions carried out than are necessary so that is it's really getting some press at the moment i mean we've been working on this for 20 years we actually have medical students on placement with us from keel university medical school
0: yeah well, great that the medical school has reached out and getting people to educate about this
1: yes we have uh, we have a very good relationship with uh Kale university it's in it's in the middle of the uk it's a. it's a great it's a, a very well uh, regarded university and their medical school as i say they i think it's for the last eight years we've had um students with us and they usually do um I can't remember how many hours, but it's quite a few hours stretched over about four months. And um, this year we've had five. Last year we had 11 uh, on Mm. placement. One of them uh, in particular has really, he's become a volunteer. Um, We've just recently been to the worldwide day of genital autonomy Event in, or or I have in, in Cologne in Germany. And uh, also some of the interviews there, that uh, have gone online, were pre-recorded. And there's one um, session that was where I where I had a conversation with one of last year's medical students. So that's online. You can you can actually see that if you want to see. To yeah. See so how... where do
0: we find that? And we'll put it in the show notes for our listeners.
1: Uh, I'll have to let you know, but it's the Worldwide Day of Genital Autonomy um, Live. I, I don't have the thing to hand but i can certainly send you that i can yeah, send you
0: the link great if you can send me the link to that we'll put it in the um show notes that would be great and what yeah. did you do they do at this day i saw that you went to that when i was googling you so what what do they do at that day
1: yeah it's um it, commemor- it commemorates a an historic um court ruling in uh on the 7th of may in 2012 uh a um a court in Cologne in Germany were, were faced with the case of a, um, a doctor who'd circumcised a boy, I think he was four years old, and he nearly bled to death. And it was a non-therapeutic circumcision. And the legality was, it, it had to come up to see if this was legal. And the ruling was, no, it wasn't legal, but they would... Um, they would have to you know they wouldn't prosecute going forward but um, um so uh no they would prosecute going forward but they wouldn't prosecute things that had happened in the past so you can imagine that it, it changed medical certainly in europe germany and europe changed it overnight and they stopped doing circumcisions in uh, non-therapeutic ones in a lot of european hospitals Unfortunately, it was reversed, or um, it, it it was sort of changed. I can't remember exactly what happened, but it was changed and, and made legal. Or um, so ever since the uh, ever since that ruling on the seventh of May, it's um, been declared the Worldwide Day of Genital Autonomy, and there's a there's a march from the courthouse to the centre of Cologne where people give presentations and it's it's worldwide and they, they, it's also followed throughout the world. It's in other countries, but Cologne is the center. And for the last two years, um, because obviously it couldn't be held as a live thing, so it went uh, to pre-recorded interviews. And there's quite a lot, there's well over 20, to my knowledge, actually pre-recorded. There's some fascinating, interviews from from all over the world america and even australia the darbon institute in australia i I noticed i've been looking at their um interview today so that's quite fascinating so there's a lot of information there i'll certainly send you the link
0: yeah that will be great well definitely i think some of our listeners might be interested in that so you we have actually spoken to a guy um a while back who actually told us about you And he does. um, He's been doing restoration of his foreskin because he was circumcised as a child. And do you guys like help people that or that want to do that?
1: We do. Yes, we have a uh, a restoration DVD. Um, Our our doctor, Dr. Peter Ball, was circumcised in infancy. I've talked about him earlier. And he actually fully restored his foreskin uh, so well that he fooled uh, one of his colleagues into thinking he was intact. Wow, that's um, nice. It's a very long procedure. Um, I did listen. I, I know that the the Kevin who you interviewed. I know him well. Um, but yes, it's um, it, you have to be very um, dedicated to do it. Unfortunately, some men just can't restore because they've either lost too much tissue or they've got a lot of scarring. Um, but uh, yes, it, it's... I mean, you can never restore you, the nerve endings you've lost. You can never actually restore, but um, you get quite a lot of sensation back just merely by having coverage of the glands. So yeah. a lot of men who do it, A, they want to look normal, and um, but B, by having coverage of the glands, they regain some of the sensation unfortunately it's um it just highlights to them sometimes what they've lost um one of the other areas we're going into is psychological damage um i think that the that's an area that's never been explored in fo- in 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 depth and uh, it's an area that we are really starting to make some progress with we've formed a um, relationship with a suicide prevention charity and um and counseling and psychotherapy and um we it's an area we've actually done um with a psychology student he's he's led it well he's studying studying his doctorate and we've actually done a literature or he's done a literature review of some Of the psychological reports of the psychological damage, and there's very little work done on that. Um, we've been in touch with the psychology department at Keele University, and they're offering placements for psychology students to be with us. So, as well as medical students, we may be having um psychology students. So, that's an area we really want to go into because that is that is a, a, a some the psychological damage is something that's really not recognised um the physical damage is getting there but you know that's as i say that's an area we really want to make progress with
0: yeah right so and so what will the students do will they talk to people about it or will they um like just learn experience so that they are equipped with this when they start practising
1: yeah we've we've got um, a lot of um, information now. what the problem with uh, circumcised men is that they've never been allowed to speak about this. If they have, they've been ridiculed. Um, certainly in the early days when we started, you know, if there was ever an interview, quite often we, people were mocked. Uh, you know, they were really laughed at or or, or, or ridiculed. And um, so, yeah, um, but what we we're noticing now that men are, now speaking out and telling their stories so we've got we started a a, a project where we encourage men to write in with their stories and it's there again it's stories at 15square.org.uk and I think Jason my colleague has been working on this and I think we have five volumes now of stories so um what we're hoping to do they will form the basis of a study so anybody studying psychology will be able to use these as a research project and hopefully we want some um we want some some good research material from this we we are waiting for um we are waiting for a paper We've we've actually got a paper that's been produced and we're waiting for that to be published so we're hoping what once that's done that we will, um, we will then be able to make some more progress on that. I mean, the interesting thing is that men, you were saying that they're reluctant to speak to a doctor, but they're also reluctant to speak to the professionals in counselling because quite often they, they just don't know how to deal with the specific damage. I mean, it breaks every rule in the book, basically.
0: Yeah, I think in general, it's just much harder for men to talk about their genitals than it is for women. Uh, And that might be a gross generalisation, but it seems that, you know, women chat about these things more freely with their mates than guys do, I think.
1: It's amazing how many women actually contact us because their partners won't speak about it. So they will speak on their behalf. We have that quite frequently. Mm. They know they've got a problem and they won't say anything to anybody. So, yeah.
2: I was just going to say, David, that a lot of the cases may also be the fact that like here in Australia, it was like the done thing through their 60s and 70s for um, boys to be circumcised. And so we now have the opposite attitude where we only do circumcision based on medical grounds in um, infancy, for example. So you've got fathers who are not the same as their sons, so they don't have the lived experience of the same um loss I guess or um, even physically and therefore psychologically we both and this and I commented before coming on that we we made the decision to ensure that our sons look like their mates rather than their their father so that conversation from one generation to the next might not be happening mm,
1: yeah yes it's um it, it's it's quite different sometimes a circumcised man has a, a, a problem you know they know their son's got something they haven't it's um mm. we've had that several times where the man so the men say it's um you know there's no way they'd ever do that to their sons yeah but, so, but sometimes you get someone are so damaged they feel that they have to do it and that, that's where it gets quite difficult sometimes
2: so we know that prevention is better than cure so for, for um people who are listening to our podcast what I'd like to do is just talk about how to best care for the foreskin as a general um, guideline. So I know you're producing those resources at the moment, but, you know, if we have mothers listening as well, what sort of education should we be giving? And could you explain explain how to stretch the skin yourself?
1: Yeah. um, Well, first of all, don't... If, it, if it's not ready to retract, don't retract it. Um, the only person should, who should ever retract foreskin is the boy himself. And um, it, it's it's interesting because um, the foreskin was studied in 1949 by Douglas Gardner, And um, he was um, wondering why there were so many circumcisions carried out. And he studied boys up to the age of three. And there was quite a percentage of them who were with non retractile foreskins, okay. and he said that that was perfectly natural and it shouldn't mm. be touched. So from 1949, they took it that if it were the it, the general thing was if it's not retractable by if it's not retractable after three, then probably it should be circumcised. But there've uh. been more reports following that, and now um, there's still a proportion of boys who cannot retract. There's still adhesions until 17. So. That is perfectly normal, um, and it should be taught that don't force it. If it won't retract, don't force it. we will go when it's ready. Um, the other thing to do is to never get soap um, in that area. Only wash, you know, certainly for a, a young boy, only wash what's seen uh, if it won't retract, but don't use soap in that area. Soap can cause infection. Um, our, one of our team um, has a theory that um there's a, a chemical in a lot of soaps and especially shower gels called sodium lauryl sulfate. And uh, that can be a skin irritant. And right. he's wondering, you know, there's an increased, especially teenage boys, they use shower gel as though it's going out of fashion. And <laughs> um and, and sometimes that can, you know, that can cause an infection. Um with type four skins, there's <laughs> there's um there's quite a um there's quite a, a, a good story about that um, because um, it's a lot of uh, the, the Boget. There was a, a French guy called Boget, and he did a study on boys with, with tight foreskins. And what he usually said to them was, How do you masturbate? And um, he found the ones with the tight foreskins didn't use their foreskin as a masturbatory assistant. So he said, "Well, you know, you can either have a you can either have a circumcision, or just masturbate using your foreskin. It's entirely up to you. Uh, use it, stretch it. Um, so, I mean, that's um, I think that's a very good French tip, really. Um, so,
0: <laughs> so what about if you, you can either know?
1: have surgery or do it the fun way? Yeah, oh,
0: yeah. So, but what happens? I actually saw a young man like this last week. So he doesn't have any skin condition on his foreskin. It's just a tight foreskin and he's never been able to retract it and he's in his mid-20s. So yeah. what would you you and Dr Ball recommend from that aspect? Because it's actually quite painful for him to have an erection because it's so tight. Right. Um, but he can't retract it and there's no kind of obvious pathophysiology there it's just the way it is so what what would recommendation in a situation like that be
1: well when when people contact us we we have two booklets and the first is alternative to circumcision so that describes all the um things that you can do to solve the problem yourself so basically it's stretching what sort of devices you can use how to do it what sort of you know and, and if. And if you can't do it by yourself, then it, it goes through what the, the doctor should offer you. So it goes from steroid creams to use with stretching. And um, if a surgical intervention is necessary, then um, there's a, there's a, there's a, an operation called a propucioplasty. And that is where they make a small incision downwards in the foreskin. And then they open it out and sew it up at... Uh, so it's up going the other direction basically. So that it widens the foreskin, it gives a small indentation or two or three, but it makes the foreskin mobile and keeps the yeah. and keeps the tissue. And that's what they should be offering. So it goes through it goes through those procedures. And then we also have another book that's uh, called Clinical Guidelines. And the clinical guidelines explain that's the medical thing and it's what doctors should follow. It's the steps doctors should follow. So we say to them, try and solve the problem yourself. If you can't, this is what the doctor should offer you. And if the doctor's not offering you, give him the booklet because this is what he should be following.
0: So is the booklet available online or do they have to get that posted to them?
1: No, it's a PDF, yeah.
0: Right. If anybody
1: inquires, yeah. uh, if, if anybody inquires, then they can be sent that uh, those booklets. Um, yeah, um, they're, they're in, everything is in PDF version now.
0: Right. Okay. What so are they sent them electronically? Excellent. Yep. Sorry. Go on, Joe. Yeah. Oh, just what are the names again of the two booklets? Uh,
1: alternatives to circumcision and clinical guidelines for the treatment of phimosis.
2: Okay, that's terrific. And the name of that operation? Um, proputioplasty.
1: I think
0: you better Proputi- spell that. I've just tried to Google that. I've never heard of it before. How do I spell that?
1: Propu- uh, P-R-E-P. Oh, you, you've got me now. It, it is early in the morning here. P-R-E-P-U-T-I-O. P-L-A-S-T-Y. It's, it's, it's not as well known as it should be. It just takes slightly more. Obviously, if they're doing the circumcision, it's a quick whip around with a knife and it's off. Pruripusio is 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 slightly more specialist, but it's what should be offered. It's a it's a less damaging thing. I mean, they're left with sort of small indentations in the foreskin, but with a bit of stretching, they can they can stretch those out and make make it have a perfectly normal foreskin.
0: It's making me think of sewing. And when you sew, you need to do this to get a smaller bit to fit into the neck of something. Anyway, that's what I'm thinking. You kind yeah, of slip was... it like that and it does it. <laughs> yeah. Is this,
1: I'm is surprised it... you haven't heard of profusioplasty. A lot of people haven't, but yeah. it, it really is what should be offered.
2: We'll have to ask our urologists that we work with if they're offering this, Melissa, because...
0: Exactly. I'm just putting this in and I'm going to find out that answer today. I'm going to send that to a few people that deal with it. Yeah, that's great. Please let me know.
1: That would be interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah, I will. Because I've actually been getting sent a few referrals from urologists. I think our urologists here are pretty forward-thinking because I've been getting a lot of referrals from urologists saying they've been referred someone with a tight foreskin and can they, they send them to me for like um, conservative measures and then just say only yeah. send them back if that doesn't help. So I think they're quite forward thinking our lot over here. Yeah. You Yeah.
2: Well, um, just as an aside, I've actually had two guys come to me and with tight foreskins and have been um, basically put on wait lists in public hospitals for um, the circumcisions. But they basically had such pain and, and painful sex and then all-day lingering pain that um, they contacted me to get receive my therapeutic ultrasound um, protocol that I use for coronary disease. And okay. remarkably, the ultrasound helped um, just soften up the tissue enough for them to stretch it and be more comfortable. Um, one went ahead and had the circumcision, the other one didn't need to. So um, that's just another um, interesting interesting aside that is interesting yeah, need to and more
1: study it really is i mean some of the things that peter ball deals with are incredible You know, um there's far more research needs to go into this i mean they've, they've been too happy to to um to go in with a knife first of all um obviously it's quicker and it's cheaper but that doesn't that's no consolation to the person who's living without the foreskin
0: no and I think the other thing is like the other thing that I think would be interesting to try with that is there, do you know of anyone trying radio frequency waves for healing of lichen on foreskins
1: No but that is uh just because is,
0: the reason yeah, I am that is that something
1: that
0: is because there's a machine called a Thermavy, which was actually made, they use it for like um, skin rejuvenation for aging, but also for vaginal rejuvenation and vaginal atrophy. And I've got one of these machines and we've found that um, some of the research says that it does well with lichen sclerosis. And so I've tried it on a couple of women with that and it hasn't cured it, but it certainly reduced some of the inflammation along with using the steroid cream. Um, it seems to have improved the results. And so It's just making me wonder how would go on that exact sort of situation. Hmm. That's that's incredible. I'm I'm going to uh, I'm going to get Peter
1: Ball onto that.
0: Yeah, I'll Uh, send you some information about it so that you can. That would be
1: wonderful. Thank you.
0: Yeah, I'll do that. I'll send you that, David. The technology
2: around the central area, so you know, there's no reason why. I mean, that's pretty much everything I've done as a physiotherapist now working men i've translated what we've done for women and applied it to men and just you know kind of um tweaked it along the way so you just very good you'll just find that there's these gaps because because there hasn't been people working in the field who've had the opportunity to cross things over yeah yeah
1: that's that's fascinating you know i mean we're 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 learning all the time as well um you know it's it's um yeah um that that is incredible. That could save a that could save a lot. But it is it. it we do have a quite a few like sclerosis inquiries. So yeah, thank All you. Right. I'll
0: look, I'll look that up and I'll send you the info that I have just on the women's stuff. So it'd be interesting to look into that.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah.
0: Thank you. Is there anything else we haven't asked you today that you would like to share with our listeners?
1: Um, yes, um, I would like to say that uh, I've just done a um, suicide a mental health first aid course, and um, they're talking about uh, a lot of issues. And one of the things we, we do run uh, support meetings, and it's, we, we run a, a series of meetings online through Zoom, and they're called Together Not Alone, and they give men the opportunity to network. So they can discuss their issues with others. And they 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 are proving quite popular. And strangely enough, they are not limited to the UK. We, we, we have um at the last one, we had one from Australia, three from America, two from Switzerland. Wow. So it's it's amazing. They they usually last about two hours and they just open meetings, and it just gives just gives guys to say what's on their mind and apparently on this mental health first aid course they they said that this was probably one of the best therapies we could be offering uh, because we can't offering we can't offer counseling because none of us train for it and um very often as i say to, to get somebody who's experienced in this is 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 very difficult but certainly i think a lot of men benefit from that so and yes um, we are a membership charity it doesn't cost a lot to to join us and we um that's one of our uh, means of income but yeah it 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 does it does help a lot of men so uh, certainly if, if i i would say that's one of the services we offer as well as the doctor consultation yeah that's
0: great and so if people want to join in with those what do they do um
1: it's a very easy um thing you just sign up on our website it costs Thirty pounds a year, which is not a lot. I don't know what that translates into Australian dollars, but it's, um, it's thirty pounds a year, it's three pounds a month, which um, is the price of a cup of coffee. Um, cup would you believe? <laughs> uh, and uh, I've only just, I've only just realised that. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, but also, as well as as being, um, as well as. Uh, sort of being able to attend meetings it just it means that we update them regularly we send regular updates on various things that are happening news and all sorts of things and we also run events we've run conferences in the past we're looking at running an online conference in the near future actually Um, when we've run them in the past they've been very we've actually we've actually run physical conferences and that's been uh, very popular, but we're looking at running something similar online. So, yeah, we 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 do do quite a lot of things, not just not just sort of answer queries.
0: So just we do a lot of practical gain, things, just to gain some like ideas about how many people are interested in this. Roughly, how many people turned up at the Worldwide Day of Genital Autonomy? Ooh, it was
1: less this year um, than um than usual because I, I think obviously this is the first time since the pandemic, but um it's difficult to say. I mean I watched the, the, the thing. There were certainly there were certainly 50 or 60 there, if not more.
0: Right. Okay, that's great. Well, have you got any more questions, Jojo? Um just to congratulate
2: you, David, because you know you've been involved since 1994 i think you said and yes you know it started off with a conversation but it's also now translating to you've got doctors in training your hopes you're getting psychologists so so you're doing remarkable things from the ground level and uh you might not think how much you have done but i know running my own um and setting up my own not for profit organisation it's a huge commitment in a voluntary capacity so uh yeah, just well done to what you guys have been achieving in, well, it's almost 30 years.
1: <laughs> Don't remind me. <laughs> <laughs> I was reasonably young when I started this.
2: <laughs> but I was thinking that it is actually a conversation that every person born with male genitals should have will confront in their life. Like that's three and a half billion on the planet right now.
1: Yes. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's interesting, Mia. I, I've noticed that even more uh in this last two or three years men are talking about it more men are, are more open um I, I our office is in a very small market town in the middle of the of the uk um and it's very difficult to to hide really and it's amazing how uh, certainly jason who works with me um he's 30 and uh, he has open conversations and all his mates about it so they uh, you know they're very open Um it's um it's nice to see really it's what should be. I mean these sorts of things because they've not talked about it, people have suffered in silence. Mm. Um, and um, you know, I mean, when I think that those 19 men originally, not one has spoken to anybody, not even Mm. close family, sometimes wives, partners. Uh, I think that's changing, and I think people are more willing now to talk about it.
2: And just finally, the book about Alex is that about. A website in case anyone's interested in looking at that.
1: It's available on Amazon, I think, and it's called A for Alex, and it's by Leslie Roberts, L E S L E Y.
0: Leslie It Roberts. is available on Amazon and a dollar of every book goes to your charity. I think I had a look at it this morning.
1: It's not our charity, I think oh, it goes to the suicide prevention charity. Suicide
0: Prevention. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah. so um, yeah, I had a look at that. So yep, yeah, it's available on Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, David, for speaking to us. It's been amazing. And um, I'm going to send you an email with some information about radio frequency waves, and I'm also going to ask for a copy of those two books, because I would love to read the two PDFs that you have available. Certainly, but- yes. They
1: need updating, actually. We have, it's one of the things that you can imagine our workload is quite considerable, but um, it's one of the things that we've got on the list for updating. But I think they're still fairly... Um, I still, I still think they're fairly up to date.
0: Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Yeah, fun.
1: I'll send them to you gladly. Great.
0: Right. Well, thank you so much for coming. That was wonderful, and we really appreciate it, and I'm sure our listeners will be fascinated by this topic. Joe and I have both learned a new word. Don't know if I'll know how to spell it next time I play Scrabble, I, but it's a great word. It, <laughs> can we just say
2: <laughs> you say? I quite say one, enjoyed it. Thank you. So one more time because it's a P word. Yes, good.
1: Um Oh, which the P word? Yep. Yes, the operation. A
0: propusioplasty.
1: Oh, I'm Proputio... looking at it
0: spelt in front of me, and I still can't say it. Propusioplasty. Propusio.
1: Propusioplasty. We'll
0: be... proputioplasty.
1: proputioplasty.
0: Try and say "Penis Project Podcast Propusioplasty" in one sentence, like five times. fine twist, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, thank you so much for being with us today we really appreciate it we look forward to following you I've just followed you on Instagram so I'll be able to keep up with what you guys are doing wonderful and and will you let me know when this is available we can you know we'll do it'll be about six weeks but we send you an email reminding you so you can share it with all your people as well
1: wonderful thank you very much Melissa and Joe. lovely to talk to you thank you
2: enjoy the rest of your sleep thank you yes take care then
1: Bye. Bye. Night. I'm going to tell you about a boy who lives inside me. It's
2: been there all of my life. Hi, this is Dr. Joe. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We're getting so many emails, so many questions, and so much feedback. And Melissa and I are absolutely thrilled about this. What we'd really love you to do, though, is to share our podcast with anyone you think might benefit, including any man in your life. Simply download using your favourite podcast app or subscribe to thepenisproject.org. You'll get a weekly email and new releases. And this helps our podcast to get more people. And if you write a review and subscribe as well, well, we'll get known more widely across the globe. Meanwhile, let's keep the conversation going.
1: Women, just a mystery to me I've got a boy of my own now It fills me with pride To see him growing so fast into a man